Welcome to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Are you looking to master the art of real estate sales? Do you want to level up your business and lifestyle? You are in the right place. Aaron and his guests share winning real estate sales strategies and techniques and show you how to win the inner game that leads to financial freedom. Get ready. Here is your host, top producing real estate agent and coach to some of the top agents in the U.S. and internationally, Aaron Novello. So welcome back, Novello Nation, to another episode of the Aaron Novello Podcast. I have with me a real estate mogul, a real estate executive slash agent, slash team owner, slash market center owner, uh, Miss Natasha Tello. I appreciate you sincerely taking the time to uh, be here with us today. Absolutely, Aaron. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. And, you know, I really do my best to hand select guests who I really feel um, can add a lot of value. And when I think of you, Natasha, I think of somebody who has undergone a very uh, intentional and purposeful evolution. Right. So you went, yeah, like a journey, right. Went from being real estate agent to real team owner to kind of market center operator and now owner of multiple market centers. And what I think would be helpful or useful for people is to begin kind of at the beginning. So if you could talk to them a little bit about kind of how you got to real estate and why you felt that that was the vehicle for you. And then your experience initially in being an actual agent. Absolutely. So real estate um, was really not my intention. I actually had a career prior to real estate and I come out of the hospitality industry. I was the GM of a hotel in Midtown Manhattan in my early 20s and uh, found myself with um, two children, uh, you know, sort of under, well, one child already and then pregnant with a second child and figuring out what was I going to do next. Simultaneous to that, the company that I was working for was being sold. And so They were sort of, you know, reducing their executive level um, employees as part of the sale. And so they offered me a buyout and an opportunity to go work for another company that they had, which was an international company. Well, unfortunately, I was about five months pregnant, so that wasn't going to work out for me. And so what I decided to do was I thought I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. I said, you know, I'm just going to take some time off. I've worked since I'm 13 years old, and I literally am going to enjoy what life at home is going to be like. And that lasted less than six weeks. And so (laughs) hats off to all the moms out there and dads out there who are stay-at-home parents, because in my, in my opinion, that work is even so much harder than what we do every day. And so I did try it for a little bit and uh, found I was pretty bored. I'm not one who watches a lot of TV or, you know, and, and my business friends, my work friends, they were all working. And so I get invited to a lunch. Uh, with a friend of mine, my uh, husband and business partner, Chris was already in real estate. And uh, I get invited by her, the broker of the company to lunch. And so here I am thinking I'm having lunch with a friend. And I winds up that it was, you know, in hindsight, it was a recruiting appointment, didn't know it at the time. And uh, part of the conversation was, you know, you'd be great in real estate. And I thought, oh my gosh, no, thank you. That's not what I want to do. Went home, thought about it just a few days later, called her up and said, all right, tell me about this real estate thing. What do I need to do? And so I got my license uh, back in 1999 in New York. And I licensed out in December of 99. And I went to work for her on a team. So my journey actually started being on a team. I was the listing specialist at the time uh, for Judy Markowitz, who at the time was the number one uh, Remax realtor in the state of New York. And uh, Chris was on the team as well. He was a buyer's agent on her team. And I started as a listing agent. And I was now six months pregnant. And so... 
another month into it. So I, I get my start in real estate. She hands me on my first day, she hands me what looked to me like a giant phone book and two pieces of paper, which were scripts, which I didn't know, puts me in a conference room, says, practice this three times, pick up the phone, start with A, and here's what you're going to say. And so I came out of the executive world and I'm like, I- I'm going to do what? What? <laughs> what do I have to do? And again, probably one of the best things you could have done was just throw me out there and didn't give me time to reconsider or think about it. I just did it. And a few weeks into it, put on bed rest and could no longer go to the office. However, I now had the bug. And so at the time we were utilizing a system called Top Producer. They would bring me the computer every day to my house and I was making lead generation calls from my bed. So I was making prospecting calls to the database and just cold calling. And that was really my introduction of how I wound up in real estate. That is awesome. And uh, I appreciate Willis to share that. So I guess a couple of things jump out at me is that first that you had the experience of being uh, an executive, right? In the corporate world. Correct. So I guess, you know, in my opinion, that was a very distinct competitive advantage. So can you talk about how being in the corporate world served you when it came to this game? Cause you understood like you were used to taking kind of instruction, right? You were used to, um, well, I was used to processes, systems, um, you know, being from the hospitality for me, it was always the customer always comes first. So that was natural coming into real estate for me. It was always about the end consumer moving into growing a, a team, you know, kind of at the evolution of when we started our business and then started a team, having worked with people, you know, I had over 70 employees in the hotel. So having worked with people, which is one of the, I guess, I guess the greatest challenge for most agents when they make that leap from single agent to team owner to business owner is, you know, casting a vision and then working with people, I think are probably two of the biggest challenges. Yeah, it makes total sense to me. And I'm also aware, at least my, I'm imagining anyway, is that coming from the executive world, you came into this thinking about it as though it was a business. A hundred percent. Not just like a job, right? Oh, no, no, no. This was a business from day one. I mean, the short term that I worked in New York, it was uh, less than a year by the time we made that, we made a, a personal family decision to relocate our family to South Florida we relocated over the summer. So I'd only been in business and licensed for seven months by the time we moved to South Florida. When we came down here, we interviewed brokerages. We walked in with a business plan. So I had a business plan and I wasn't, I was, we were interviewing them. It wasn't the other way around. And we chose the company to affiliate based on their ability to plug into our business plan. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's so interesting because it mirrors in many ways my experience when I move market centers, or excuse me, move marketplaces, because I started selling real estate in Gainesville after I graduated from the University of Florida. And then my mom, she had a brain bleed, and uh, I decided to shut that business down, move back to help out with the family. And I did the exact same thing of just inter- me interviewing them, like, look, here's what we're going to do. Does this do, is what you're doing fitting with our model, right? Correct. Is my vision aligned with your vision? And that's that, exactly that was right. a big deal for us. So then I'm curious, so so I'm imagining from there you went, you know, you were this individual agent, you moved marketplaces, obviously you had a lot of success as an agent. And then what was the kind of light bulb moment? What was the kind of uh, epiphany that you had or an awareness that somebody brought to you that, hey, like I can, you can actually do this in such a way that you could do it in a team format and perhaps you're not the one who's actually listing and selling property anymore and you can have other people doing that for you. Yeah, absolutely. So it really goes to even, it predates my moving between New York and and South Florida. So having started on a team, I knew from the inside out what a a team should or could look like eventually. 
right? So not just being that sole practitioner, but having multiple people in multiple facets that handle different parts of your business. My real introduction and understanding, it came the, the summer that um, I really became licensed in South Florida. There was a group or an organization at the time that was known as Howard Brenton's Star Power Systems. Yep. And Howard was an amazing individual. And he, what he did was he would bring agents from across the country together at his annual conferences. And they would be across all brands. It didn't matter. And they would just share best practices, you know, what they were doing, marketing from lead gen to marketing to team building to all of this. And there were um, three specific agents that really attracted me that were very sort of, I would say, kin to the way I, my thought processes were and went home and kind of really modeled our business after those three agents. And um, those were uh, Jimmy and Linda McKissick, Nikki and Gary Ubaldini, and Mary and Joe Charters. Yeah, very and powerful humans and individuals. and Very you know, powerful. Yeah, and it's very interesting because what I wrote down as you were saying that to me is I've heard uh, – you know, Gary Keller say that if you're finding yourself stuck, you're usually one relationship away. So it's like one person away who can teach you something, point something out to you, kind of bring something to your awareness. So now that transition for you in speaking to you, what I'm aware of is that what I learned from Tony Robbins and Business Mastery is that there's three types of people in business. There's one who is the artist, mm-hmm. and that's the person that has a very particular skill set. And most businesses are started by artists. But artists have a tendency not to be good managers. And then the second person is a a manager, a world-class manager, right? Systems, processes, and procedures. And then the third is an entrepreneur. And the entrepreneur has an insatiable appetite kind of for risk. And they will kind of, you know, take those risks to, to propel it forward and to scale. So I guess for you personally, which one of those three do you think really fits who you are as an individual? The most likely is I do believe that I have the unusual ability to have some of the, each one of those things. You know, I find myself when I'm off kilter, I'm, I'm playing in the artist world, right? So it's marketing and branding and things that, that the creativity side, the manager side is just the ability to work with people. But at heart, I'm an entrepreneur. There's no yeah. doubt. I mean, my thrill, my drive comes from starting something new, from growing something, from creating something that wasn't there or changing something that was to something amazing. Which is awesome. And, you know, what I'm aware of is you need all three in order to do something like amazing. Right. (laughs) So it's really cool. And then and I I know that where where my weaknesses are that I need to hire to those because I've made those mistakes before hiring too slow and kind of being that person. I'm like, well, this is not for me. Yeah. So now and I'm wondering, so for you, I'm aware for me anyway, with each evolution that I've made in my own kind of businesses that we operate, it required me to either learn something new or to let go of something. So for you, that transition, like when you went from agent to, let's say, team owner, what were the kind of growing pains for you? What were the things that you had to let go of or what were the things that you had to learn? So I think letting go actually didn't come as difficult. I know some people have real challenges with letting go. I'm actually totally okay to let something go. And I'm actually totally okay for those people to fail their way forward. Because I think people learn best when they fail their way forward. And I also know that Some people may actually do the job better than me. Can you imagine, right? And so what I found is that if you hire really talented individuals in the role that you're looking to fulfill, and it might've been something you were doing prior, they actually may do it as well as you and sometimes even better. Yeah. And so just learning to let go. And what I also realized is, you know, coming from the hotel business, people didn't come to the hotel because of one individual. They came based on the experience that they got. And so creating an experience with a team, meaning that the standards were there, that no matter who they were working with, 
that the standards were there, that everybody made them feel exactly the same way. Everybody provided the same level of service. That's really what it's about. I mean, you know, again, look at sneakers, you know, you know, you pick a brand, let's call it Nike. Well, nobody knows Mr. Nike, right? But we know the sneaker because we know what the brand stands for. And that's what it was for me is what can I do to create a brand around what we're doing that people bought the brand? Yeah, that makes total sense to me. So then how, like as far as the um, team component, right? How long did it take for you to build a team in which um, you were no longer an operator, of the business and instead became an owner of that business, which was a team that sells real estate in high volume. So I would say that the entire journey probably took about seven years uh, for the time. It was six to seven years before I actually literally was able to pull myself out more of the business. So it was about a year into it where the first assistant was hired. And um, we actually did it backwards. We actually uh, did it wrong. So in hindsight, we hired two buyer's agents first yeah. Because we were so exhausted that yeah. I just needed some leverage. And so I went to the manager of the office we were in. He says, I've got these two girls. You should hire them. They're great. They're new. You could mentor them and they'll they'll leverage you on the buyer side of the business. And so I did. And I found myself licking, put, you know, this goes to the days of where we're still putting stamps on things, right? So licking stamps, creating marketing, doing all the administrative tasks instead of the high dollar, you know, productivity activities, which was out there with buyers because I leveraged that. And so went to a class, was invited, it was actually a Keller Williams class. At the time, it was called Productivity Warriors. It was the precursor to the MREA book. And uh, went to that class and came home and said, oh my gosh, I've done it all wrong, Chris. We've, we've, we've built the business backwards and we need to go back and retool some things. And so I needed, I knew at that time that I needed to leverage and I needed to leverage two things specifically. One, is why I needed a wife work, uh, a work wife, meaning I needed to find somebody, a right-hand administrator that could run our business from the administrative aspect. And the second person is I needed that same person in my personal home life because I had two kids under the age of three. And so immediately then I leveraged, we got a nanny at home and we uh, found an assistant who was with us for almost nine years. That is awesome. And you know, it's so funny that it's so funny that you use that term because I I think, as you know, separate from residential retail, I also coach about 60 agents throughout the country and uh, seven of them earn seven figures. And some of the ones that are female, uh, they've said to me actually verbally, they're like, you know what I need, Aaron? I'm like, what? They're like, I need a wife (laughs) to like help me with all of these components. And that's not like genderized. It's just like, uh, no, it's not. It just, it just happened to be, it's just like how I felt like I came home and realized, oh my gosh, I'm missing these key people in my world. And so, you know, I know you alluded it to before it's either a system or a person that you're missing. If you want to go to the next level, it's one of two things. Typically it's a system or a person. Yeah. And what I'm aware of too, is that you're absolutely right. That it's one of those two things that are kind of um, practically keeping you in a certain place. I'm also aware that the bottleneck of most businesses is the psychology of its owner. Absolutely. So like what I'm aware of is like once that psychology, cause somebody might be telling themselves a story about, Oh, like it's going to be this or that. And then once we can overcome that psychology, then it's, I need to meet the right person and I need a certain system right in place. Right. In well, everything starts with mindset. I mean, it completely starts with the psychology of how we think, what are we feeding our mind? What are we doing every single day to kind of drive us forward? And are we willing to grow? That's right. So, and what I'm aware of is that pivot that you made was you recognized because of a, like awareness and being in the presence of somebody who could share something with you, you instantaneously recognized that, um, you know, what I call your 
plan, right? PLAN, prospect lead, follow up, go on appointments, negotiate deals. Those are the lead levers that lead to income. income. And you thought to yourself, you said, okay, there's a difference between income producing and income servicing. I am doing a lot of income servicing and also home servicing. And if I want to continue to grow, I got to f- figure out a way to back my way out of those two things. Something's got to give because there's only, we all have finite amount of hours in the day, right? We have 24 hours in a day. There's only so many of those hours I, I can personally with personal production complete. And then I wanted to have enough time to work on the business and we'll kind of get to that. I want to kind of share that's where the mental shift happened for me. Yeah. So that's good. And that's really, working in the business. That's awesome. And so, so that psychological shift, right. Mm-hmm. And understanding that led to, okay, um, what system do I need or what people do I need in place in order to take it to the next level? And then Absolutely. you mentioned this idea of working on your business versus in your business. And I'm aware for, you know, a lot of individual agents that could be a challenge, right? Cause they're just thinking about like, I need a the beat, next deal, right? I want the a next deal. Or a commission or something of that nature. So for you, why was that so important? Like that time that you spent working on your business and how did that help you to kind of scale and level up? A couple of things. I think number one, we all, like I said, we have a finite amount of time. If we don't plan for the hours at that time, either way, that time is going to go, right? Something is going to suck up that time. So I like to pre-plan what's going to happen in that time. So I would typically take, I would sit down and I would listen to a lot of, um, you know, speakers, Tony being one of them, Gary Keller and multiple people. And a lot of these greats would tell me, plan your day, plan your evening on a Sunday afternoon. And so I did that for a period of time. And then I realized, why am I so miserable on my weekend? My one day off, my one and a half days off, because it really wasn't off. My brain doesn't turn off very well. And I was there sitting there planning. So I, I did a shift and I started carving out Fridays. And so I only worked in my business Friday until noon and from noon to three o'clock. And this was pretty much religious every single week from three to four. And if I was done early, I had an afternoon off. And if I wasn't done early, then it was, you know, it was on me because I was working too hard on something different. And so that became my planning time. And that's actually how I coach agents is that you have to carve out time in your world. And I'll look at their, at their calendar. So we've got to put the business planning time because either way, the time is going to be passing what are you doing with that time? And we all know if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That's exactly right. That is awesome. So, and then great. So, so that brings us to this place where now six to seven years after kind of having this awareness and beginning to plug in people and systems to free up more of your time, not only to uh, generate, but also to work on the business, so to speak. Absolutely. When did you realize like, Oh, I can actually step out, maybe hire a listing agent, or was that listing agent, maybe perhaps your husband or something of that nature? Oh, that actually happened way earlier than seven years. So that happened in about the fourth year. I see. Um, So from 2001 to 2005, uh, I was physically in the business daily. In 2005, we launched the first office, uh, the first uh, Keller Williams franchise, if you will. And that was in Pembroke Pines. And um, the beauty of that was we got our approval. And then three weeks later, a lovely hurricane, Hurricane Wilma came right through the county. Oh, wow. And so it was a very interesting time to launch a company, needless to say. And also historically, when you look at real estate, it was really the height of our real estate market. And what came after was probably the greatest downturn we'd seen so far. Up until, well, up until now, it was the greatest downturn we'd seen. And so, uh, but I did step out of the day-to-day operations of our sales team for a good year, year to year and a half, um, 12 to 18 months, I was still working on that sales team business, but I wasn't physically in the business. Chris, my husband took it over at that time. 
And uh, 2007 came uh, at the end of 2006, really. And we realized there was a significant shift that took place in the business and it was going to require the efforts of both of us to take that plane's nose, you know, from the nosedive down and get it back up. And so I stepped back in to help and, you know, wound up then shifting our business from traditional real estate into, um, you know, short sales and REO and, and things of that nature. So then I got back in the sales business for a few years at that point in time. I, I understand. So really out of necessity, just due to the magnitude of what correct. had happened, what had happened required you to kind of step back in to that for a period of time. And it was really just the lead genero because everything else was being taken care of. We had team members, you know, we had buyers agents, we had lead admin, we had different things going on, but it was really just assisting with, with generating additional business and generating yeah. leads at the time, you know, it was all hands on deck. That and makes sense. So, mm-hmm. And then I'm wondering, so, and how did that experience, because I, what I find very interesting is uh, on the uh, New York stock exchange, like what, since the time it opened, there's only a handful of companies that have been around for like a hundred years. But the ones that have been around for 100 years, they were all started in downturns, mm-hmm. which I find that very interesting, right? Uh, I'm aware that I built my real estate business. I started in 2006 and then 2007, eight, right? I did a, I think we did 100 deals one year and 75 were expired listings. So we built our business during a very challenging time. And, and what I'm aware of is, um, you know, that makes you very... Uh, you know, resistant to uh, market pressure because it forces you to become extremely skilled, extreme, extremely disciplined, extremely focused, right? Very shrewd as a business person and, and looking at numbers and things of that nature. So a lot of people would imagine like, oh, why is this happening to me at a time when like, you know, I just opened this market center, but how did that actually serve you as a business person? Well, it really propelled forward. I think So one of the things is, you know, kind of looking at natural talent versus, you know, acquired talent. For me, it's always time on task over time, you know, we'll build it. And so with a downturn, it caused us not just to look at all the numbers and to really be shrewd, but it it gave us the ability to become the place of attraction in our marketplace. Because there were a lot of companies that were saying, oh, you can't do this. You can't do short sales. Oh, who wants to do REO? And I thought, no, if that's the weight of the future, we're going to figure out how and we're going to help everybody get there. And so it's always about, you know, every market has an opportunity. You just have to know what and figure out what the opportunity is and get there first. Yeah, 100 percent. And I I love what you just said, because I find that that's very true. You know, during this recent uh, downturn, uh, as far as with the virus and things of that nature, I was hopping on or requested to be on lots of Zoom calls and like talk to companies and stuff. And what I was sharing with them is like, look, you're going to get through this. It's not a question of if. You will. The question is, who are you going to be at the other end? What skills will you have? And what will you be known for? Yep. It's, are you willing to go to work? You know, are you willing to just roll up your sleeves and do whatever it takes? And that's who I am. It's like, roll up your sleeves and do whatever it takes to make it happen. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I tell people, I'm like, look, I stay ready. So I don't have to get ready. Right. That's it. (laughs) It's just, I'm on like, you know, turning us. So the whole, if we had a conversation about being off, I would not be your person because I have a hard time being off. Yeah. It's I interesting that you say, and it's, it's fascinating that you say that because we're very kindred in that way. And that like, um, some people, they, they ask me, they're like, you know, they ask me about like this idea of balance or they ask me about, and I'm like, listen, man, here's my experience. I work, I mean, I'm a dad and I have two children and I do my best to be present and to uh, connect with them. And I make them, they know that I love them and I'm very much so involved with them. What's also true, though, is uh, I go aggressively after my goals and objectives and they are a priority, right? Like they're important and uh, I, I treat them as such. So now 
you have that experience with that one market center, it becomes very successful. And then how did these, I'm imagining that what ended up happening is that, you know, Keller Williams noticed like, hey, she's a good operator. And then other opportunities present itself. So how did it go from like one market center to now five market centers? Well, they were all different. So market center number two, so the the time span between market center number one and market center number two was nine years. And it was really because of the downturn in the market that happened. And I, like I said, I stepped back in and did sales and the market center was doing great. And then we were driving the market center and driving the sales business and um, had attempted it several times to look for other opportunities. And they just weren't right. You know, I always look at the who you're in business with matters more than anything. You can always figure out the what, but the who is the most important. And um, so the opportunity for taking on a new market center that was um, in an ownership change, you know, it was a failing market center and there was an investor group that stepped in and they needed an operator. And I guess I believe that they had a few names in front of them and they met with several candidates and they asked me if I would get into business with them. And so that's really how opportunity number two showed up. It really was not it truly wasn't anything I was expecting at that moment in time. It was just an opportunity that presented itself to me. And it was the right opportunity for me at the time. And then we took that market center and turned that market center around. Um, Market center number three was a similar situation. It was a really good friend of mine had passed away, um, Susie Lawson, and she was the uh, operating partner of the Miami Beach office. And her business partner at the time also had some personal situations that unfortunately he couldn't uh, operate the business. And so again, saw what I was doing, you know, we'd be, we'd been friends for a long time as well. And he came to me and said, would you do this? Um, you know, could you step in? And so we worked on a deal and I stepped in and we became partners and I took on that market center and then, uh, had the opportunity of market center. Number four was, um, a attempted launch by a few different individuals that didn't get off the ground. And so again, I was asked to step in and I put together an ownership group there and we launched that one. And um, now we're, I'm stepping in and I'm getting to go and get into business with you, Aaron. And so we're getting, uh, we're launching and relaunching the, uh, the local market center here in Plantation. So yeah. that's number five. That's super awesome. It's and, super exciting. And, and the you joke know, is, you want to hear something crazy? Yeah. A year ago when I did the vision, or two years ago, when I kind of cast the vision of what the initial vision for, and my group of offices is known as L5L, Level 5 Leadership. And so when I cast the initial vision to all the market centers, um, individuals like our, our executive staff that's in business with us today, it was five market centers by 2020. And when 2019 was coming to an end and I'm looking at the, the calendar of 2020 and the clock rolls over and this pandemic begins, I'm like, well, I, I guess we're not going to have five market centers yeah. by 2020. And then it shows up. So it's, you know, I thought, shoot, I should have put 10. Why didn't I put 10 businesses? What was I, thinking? <laughs> I was clearly thinking too small. That's so awesome. So perfect. So we have five market centers now, right? Uh, And the vision kind of moving forward for you would be what? I would say it would be additional market centers, um, you know, already in the real estate space. And then it would be businesses that are complementary to the real estate space. So uh, partnering with, um, you know, title and mortgage, but really looking outside of our exact industry and looking at ancillary businesses, that would be complementary. So whether it's the insurance industry or the moving industry or the, you know, field services industry, there's, there's lots of different opportunities out there. And I always look to see where can I make a difference? You know, where is there maybe something that's broken that, 
you know, by tweaking some things, by doing some things, we can make it a very profitable business, you know, by adding layers of service. That's awesome. And I guess I'm wondering for those that are listening, why is what I would call like vertical integration, like figuring out how can I make more money doing what I'm already doing and creating, uh, you know, opportunities for others as well and give good service, of course. Why do you feel in the real estate industry and business, not only if you're an agent, also if you're an owner operator of a team or a market center, why is that so important now as our game is changing pretty rapidly? Well, I think that's it, Aaron, is our game is changing. Our business is changing. Our industry is changing. You know, technology has forced the change. The pandemic has accelerated that force change. When you think about it, we all knew we probably had somewhere between three and five years before so many of these third-party companies were really in our space, you know, and compressing and the commission compression would begin to accelerate. And the pandemic has actually accelerated that to a certain degree. And, um, you know, so when you look at that, in order to have the same net at the end of the day, you either have to do more transactions, right? And, or you need to have a other stream of income. And I truly believe that having multiple streams of income over time is what's really going to lead to that wealth building that we're seeking. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because what, what comes up for me is the, I heard the story of this guy, he was saying like, you know, um, hunters and gatherers, they used to eat whatever was available. Right. If there were nuts available that day, they had nuts. If it was like, you know, vegetables that day, they had vegetables. If it was meat, if they got lucky, they ate meat that day. And versus somebody who's overly dependent on one kind of crop or one, you know, form of nutrition. And that some people imagine that that one form of nutrition is safer, but it's actually less safe. than uh, having, you know, multiples. Right. My brother-in-law, who's a Marine, he, he always tells me that one is none and two is one. So if I have one of something and it goes away, I have nothing, but I have two of something and one goes away, I still have one, right? A hundred percent true. It's a hundred percent true. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's learning, you know, we learned that the really hard way with putting all your eggs in one basket when, with the different market shifts that have happened, you know, and our, how our business, all my sales team, not necessarily my market centers, but on the sales team, how the fluctuations in sales, although you have the same expenses, how things can shift on you overnight. So I'll give you an example that when we were in the height of the REO days, there was a point in time where we had over 380 assets under management and there was the national asset freeze with the lawsuits that originated, unfortunately, here in South Florida with David Stern's office. And that was the robo signing scandal, which we had nothing to do with. Unfortunately, we were managing assets that were tied to this. And overnight, you went from having 50 closings a month to none. Wow. That was a big lesson. So like I said earlier, I have failed my way forward. It has been lesson after lesson. So the only difference is that I learned my lesson and I changed course. I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing that again. And it's it's very uh, interesting. And I appreciate your authenticity and your willingness to share that, Um, you know, because sometimes when people, you know, are put on a panel or a podcast or something, they just present kind of the refined version that they want. Oh, no, there's this is unfortunately, and I always warn everybody, you are going to get the real me like it or not, it's going to be it. Yeah. And I'm full of uh, warts and pimples. That's what I'm going to tell you. Got lots of battle scars to tell you know, I can share. Well, and it's so interesting, because like when I did the as I shared with you, when I did 100 deals and 75 were expired, I read in a book one time, and this guy was like, if you only have one source of business, you don't have a business. And I had to like sit back. I was like, holy smokes. Like I, I thought I was the man, but like I really don't have a business because what happened is in 11 and 12, when the marketplace started to get good, what happened to expires? 
shrunk. They shrunk. And I would like to say that I like saw that coming and I acted like very, you know, intelligently and very, no, like I had a temper tantrum for probably 90 days, <laughs> banging my head against the wall. And then I realized like, Hey, there's not enough leads to support me growing. Right. And then just reached a point where it's like, look, I don't know what the way is, but I'm going to either find the way or make the way because doing less is unacceptable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what happens is anytime there's a shift, we go through sort of like the, you know, whether you aspire to the seven or the five stages of mourning, and we go through that. It's the the difference between those who ultimately succeed and those who don't is how fast does that happen for you? How fast do you go through that denial, you know, that depression, that final, until you finally capitulate and realize I've got to shift and change. And for me, it happens very rapidly. You know, I'll have that, oh my gosh, woe is me, sky's falling, and it lasts a day. It really does. And then I pick myself up and go, okay, so what do I need to do different? That's right. What do I need to do? Yeah. And, you know, I feel like in many ways, and I'd be interested to get your feedback as well, um, because you have that experience of not only, you know, agent, team owner, operator of market centers, is that one of those shifts that have happened for agents right now is that in a marketplace that's very strong and robust, um, two things are true. One is you don't have to be very proactive in terms of, finding business, you know, you can do an okay amount of business and make a living, let's say, and not necessarily prospect or, you know, kind of be aggressive in terms of outbound calls. And two, and I mean this lovingly, you don't have to be particularly good at what you do. If you just show no up, business fault. You're right. don't say anything silly, dress moderately okay, like you'll make some money, right? Um, in a marketplace where that changes, my experience is, is that only the skilled get paid when times get tough. And um, one, one of those shifts that a- agents are kind of having smashed into their face is that, you know, when, when things are challenging, it's a wonderful time to test your personal philosophy. So if you think you don't have to like make outbound calls and like generate, like, great, test that out when times are tough and see how it works. Right. Or if you think like, oh, you don't have to be skilled and know what to say and like help people to self-discover when their expectations aren't being met by the marketplace and help them to bridge that gap. Like, great, test that out and see how it works. Right. So in my opinion, that's what's happening now is that reality, that harsh reality is being like smashed into people's faces. Absolutely. Uh, We're seeing we're seeing two things happening right now. So you have the haves and have nots that are showing up, which is. Uh, different than the the market that we've just come out of where you where pretty much everybody had something we're starting to see the divide show up again where the strongest agents are actually their their businesses are stronger than ever they're growing the, the the you know it's really they're taking territory and the agents who um you know I hate to say it, they're probably sitting on the couch you yeah. know waiting for this unfortunate this pandemic to end or the cycle to end or whatever it is and it's not ending, guys. It's just not ending right now. It will end one day, right? Everything always does change. And yet the, the first switch has to happen mentally. And if we're just sitting on the couch and you know, I watch it, I watch it in the Zoom sometimes and I'm thinking it's two o'clock in the afternoon. What are you doing? Right. Like what, you know, because Zoom allows us to kind of peer into people's lives, right? Yeah. And so um, if you're sitting on the couch or you're in your pajamas in the middle of the day, I'm not so sure how much business you're going to be generating. Yeah, you, you won't. And what, what I'm aware of is uh, what I tell people is like, hey, nobody's coming to save you. Right. Like there's like, no. If the expectation is, is like somebody's going to like a whole bunch of people are going to write up with like a big flag and be like, we're here to save you, Aaron. Like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not happening, guys. We got to roll up our sleeves and just go to work. And, 
you know, the agents that I'm watching that are um, succeeding at the highest levels right now are, are twofold. Not only are they great lead generators, and, it, and when I see lead generators, some, you know, they could be, you know, outbound prospectors by phone. Some of them are doing amazingly with their social media and, and multiple channels. Some of them are doing it through their databases. And it's really, the, those are the agents that are actually thriving right now versus those who are just trying to either throw money at things just to see if it's going to work and or the ones that are just sitting on the couch that aren't doing anything. That's exactly right. And in my, and I'm curious to see like what your thought is in, in terms of like, uh, because I feel like there's multiple factors that are leading to that. Right. But um, with the game already in flux prior to the virus mm-hmm. and then the virus exacerbating that um, I remember at a mega agent camp, I heard Gary say something that like really made sense to me, which is that, in the future, with a high degree of probability, right? What will happen is, is that there'll be the rock stars in a geographic area mm-hmm. and they'll get the Amazon effect. More will float up to them because they have more reviews and like all this other stuff, right? Um, and agents will either have to, they'll either be that person, right? They'll have to work for that person or they will maybe perhaps have to go to like a Redfin and take a salary if they want to be involved in real estate in some capacity. So like, what is your thought on that? How do you see that progressing? I do see the evolution of teams growing. I do see the, and the strongest, and again, it's like anything, right? So it's the strongest survive, the fittest survive, the teams that are, that operate a lean and mean and have the biggest reach where they have the agent to agent referrals. Um, they have the online presence that, you know, they, they might have a podcast, they might have a YouTube channel, they have, you know, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, and all of these channels that are humming, which is really the, the avenues today. So they have the mind share of the consumer as they're getting the market share. And so I do believe that um, our teams will continue to grow. And as the industry changes, the, you know, sort of, you'll have that group of agents who are looking for more of a, um, an opportunity where they're either an agent on a team, or like you said, a salary base of some sort. And then you'll have the, you know, the entrepreneurs that are going to go out and create these teams and, and really dominate a local marketplace. And I think to some degree, we've seen that a lot in areas you've seen, we've seen that we came through the previous cycle, seeing that, and, and the signs are already there clearly that we're going to be just seeing more of that. And yeah. when you think about as the, um, the other thing is what it costs, the cost of being in our business. And so when you think about a brand new agent coming in, unless there's some sort of money in which to get there or some really big depth of database that they have, the, the bar to entry is increasing, even though maybe the cost of going to the school to get your real estate license, all that hasn't changed. But to get your transaction, it's no longer what it was before. Uh, first of all, under the pandemic, you can't just go take a sign out and go do an open house. It's a little challenging, right? So there's, it, it becomes more expensive to try to get into business. That's a very interesting observation where it's uh, that the barrier to entry, even though you only need to get a C on a test, that's very low. Right. Yeah. Um, the barrier well, to get the license is not, is like way low. Right. Yeah. So, um, and yet to, to really excel has gotten a little harder. Yeah. It's, it's increasingly, you know, the cost of sale uh, mm-hmm. is going up. So as such, that's interesting that that will create a kind of uh, barrier to entry. It's kind of like, you know, how could, um, you know, if there's a new software company and they want to compete with Coca-Cola, it's like, well, okay, they have the largest distribution network in the world. <laughs> that's the key. It's the distribution. Right. So, so like, how are you going to compete with that? You might as well, you could figure, you could maybe create something and then sell it to them. But um, 
it's going to be very difficult to recreate that. So that's interesting. And that's the same thing. That's the reason, the same reason why I believe that certain companies are going to continue to grow because it's the opportunity of the distribution channel, um, you know, from, from in the real estate business. And it's the same thing from a realtor, the individual realtor to working on a team. It's the distribution channel and the reach that a team might have that the individual, it takes much longer to get there. Yeah. And the reach that the perhaps operator has. Correct. Right. Because what I'm aware of, and well, this is very interesting too, and this is part of like, uh, you know, why we're doing things of this nature is that money and power follow attention. And what I'm aware of is the more attention that you can get, um, that becomes extremely valuable. Not only can you monetize the attention, but um, you, it, you can also, you know, it opens up opportunities. It opens up doors. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So what I've learned is, is like in every business, you're really in two businesses. One is, is whatever you do, whatever products or service you sell. But the second is you're a media business. You have a media company. Yeah. So I used to think personally, uh, it was super cool that I sold 200 homes a year and nobody knew who I was. I thought that was cool. Like I wore that like a badge, like, ah, like I'm so cool. Right. Like I'm the Kaiser. So the radar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I realized that's stupid. And I, I wouldn't say it's stupid, Aaron, but I just say that that the future, that's not going to work. No, because not we, at all. We need to be everywhere, you know, omnipresent, so to say. And yes. so that's kind of why I want to go back to the, you know, the, the agents. That's not to say that a single agent, because I have some amazing single agents that would rival some of our teams and do more production than many teams, but they're amazing marketers as well. And so the marketers is the media channel today. Yes, the media channel and recognizing that there's multiple channels. So like, I feel like in the past, at least the way I was trained initially, because is that like, there's a few, like one is like telephone. That's the lowest client acquisition channel. It costs basically no money, just the cost of a phone line and maybe a dialing system. And that's it. Right. And then it's just skill and my time. Right. Then we were taught like, okay, send some postcards, maybe, maybe go knock on the door, like maybe uh, shoot them a text message once that technology was available. But what I'm aware of is those are only like a few channels. Now, YouTube's a channel. Instagram's a channel. Facebook is a channel. Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. So it's recognizing that my presence in those areas demonstrates, it positions me as the expert. And then it also positions me as the local dominant, like rock star. Yep. hundred percent. And as time progresses, those rock stars or rock star offices, because this applies to anything. It doesn't even have to be like an individual. Correct. But what's true now is that individuals have the capacity to get the same reach and the same kind of eyeballs as huge corporations and companies. Correct. So, but by either being the rock star office in a geographic area or the rock star agent in a geographic area, what will happen is, is that it's a recruitment tool because everybody wants to be around you because you're the rock star. Two is uh, opportunities present themselves, right? Absolutely. And then three is the expert. If you choose to, you can monetize that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, with that, it's, it's the same thing. It's like, um, you know, kind of going back to, you know, we, we talked about the expert in an area. Economist of choice is another one I would add to that. So it's media and knowing the economy because that's what's driving the consumer to the agent. It, because knowledge is available all over the place, but how much does an agent actually Yeah, have? it's so interesting. That's, so, that's critical. That's absolutely right. So as information becomes free, specialized knowledge becomes more powerful. Bingo. So what's that's interesting that. is it's not just about like me, there's multiple skill sets. So one of the things people come to me to coach them about is like, okay, what to say and how to say it, right? And yeah, that's part of it, you know, to help people to self-discover and get them to a place where they're ready to make a decision and things of that nature. 
But then what I'm also aware of is I need to know a little bit about the economy. I need to know a little bit about cycles. I need to know Correct. what happened in 2008 and I need to be, I need to know what interest rates are doing. Like Correct. I need to know these things so then I can shift from not being transactional. Like I'm just here to do a deal to being right. fiduciary. We're like, I'm actually going to guide fiduciary you. relationship building over time. And so you become the, the, you know, the person of source where they want the information about what, what decision, what life decisions should they make concerning their real estate transactions? You become the go-to person. Yeah. You have that fiduciary relationship. That's right. And, and, and so a combination of everything we just described, and then also not being attached to the outcome. Um, never. And um, never. like, they need to know that like, look, whatever I propose or suggest to you will be in your best interest, even if it's not in mine. So I Always. may tell you like, Hey, like, no, you shouldn't sell this or Hey, you should maybe rent this out instead of doing this. Right. Like that, like that sort of thing. Aaron, there were so many times as an agent that I walked away from a, from a listing where I didn't take the listing and I actually gained a friend and people would always say, you collect more people that I said, because I'm doing the right thing for them. It's not about me. It has nothing to do with me. Maybe yeah. it wasn't the right thing for their family at that time. You be, you could become that person to a consumer. You will become, they will become your client for life. Meaning whatever questions they have concerning real estate, whether it's investing, whether it's that property, whether it's a new property, whether it's a fan of family, but you can have that honest dialogue with somebody and you didn't make it about you. You made it about them. You've gained a client for life. hundred percent. And you gained somebody who like, I, I had a call uh, last or this week and I'm going to meet with him this week where I've, I've helped him, you know, a couple of times. And um, he was like, Hey, whatever you tell us to do. Like, right. Like, whatever you tell us fans, to position like, it at price wise, like whatever, you, whatever you tell us, like, it's fine. We're right. going to do it. <laughs> because you are now the expert. Yeah. Right. It's like the, the person that you, you utilize for your stock portfolio. Right. So I'm not a day trader by, you know, by, by any degree. And so I rely on professionals that know what they're doing. And so if they say, look, I think this is the right wise move for you. This is what we need to do. Then that's what I'm going to do. Obviously I'm going to double check, but that's what I'm going to do. That's what I want to be to the real estate right now. I want to be that to the realtor, but in my real estate selling days, that's what I want to be for the consumer. Yeah. And that's interesting, that transition. So like it was for the, for the kind of consumer. For the consumer today, for me, it's my agents. For agents. And what I would propose, it's not just for agents. It's also for the franchise because they see you as somebody that is an expert at operating market centers. And when opportunities present themselves, they knock on your door and they say, Hey, Natasha, you're very good at this. What do you think we should do? Are you interested? I think it's, you know, just, I learned a long time ago, a very wise man said to me, um, you know, just keep doing the right thing. And when the opportunity, uh, the opportunity presents itself, it will knock at your door, but you just got to keep doing the right things. And so that's always been for me. It's never about, okay, this will be an opportunity because I never know these opportunities have shown up. They was, I wasn't seeking them at that moment in time. Yeah. They wind up seeking me out. I was just, I was doing the right thing at that moment in time. That's right. I love it. So listen, that's a wonderful way to uh, complete our time together. This has been uh, very enjoyable for me. I hope it has been for you. I know people are going to get a tremendous amount of value. So again, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today. So if people want to connect with you in some form or fashion on one of these channels we just talked about, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on on the gram at, at Empowering Leaders or on Facebook as my name, Natasha Tello or at Empowering Leaders, or at Level 5 Leadership. I've got lots of channels out there. Uh, Same thing on YouTube. You'll find me there. And LinkedIn on my real name, Natasha Tello. Awesome. And she's an open book, guys. Ask her, send her DM questions. You can send me messages, questions. I'm happy to help, happy to point you in the right direction, provide resources, give you lots of books you can go read, and places and podcasts you can plug into, including this one, Aaron. 
Awesome. Well, hey, you're the best. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day, everyone. You too. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow Aaron on Instagram at Aaron Novello. Happy hunting.